And uh, some of you are old enough to remember this. <coughs> remember when you drank Pepsi or Coke? I mean, that's what you drank. You either drank Pepsi, Pepsi-Cola, or Coca-Cola. And I did this one time. It wasn't for any particular study. It wasn't for a book or anything. I was just, uh, I just interested. It was just a personal question I had. And so one day, uh, I'm with my wife. She's buying groceries. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Baptist preacher. Like one guy said, everything I like is either illegal, immoral, or fattening. And so uh, we just go to the grocery store and lust after groceries. We walked out. I walked on it. I was, oh, cereal, cereal. But I, I wanted to do this. I'll, I'll give you... Try this, try this. I went to the soft drink aisle and I counted not how many brands of soft drinks there are. I counted how many different kinds of Coca-Cola. I mean, it said Coca-Cola on the can. There were 24 different kinds of Coca-Cola. There was Coke, there was Coke Classic, there was sugar-free Coke, there was caffeine-free Coke, there was sugar-free caffeine-free Coke, there was cherry Coke. There was vanilla Coke. There was lime Coke. There was Coke Zero. I bought it. It was an empty can. Um, and I thought, you know what? You could have five, six, seven different people living in a house, everybody drinking Coca-Cola, and nobody drinking the same thing. And so while I was in there, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue this study. So I went to where they sell toothpaste. I, have, I wish there's so many people. I wish they would go where they sell toothpaste. But... Uh, Remember when you used Colgate or Crest? And it just incidentally, 24 kinds of Coke? 24 different kinds of Crest, not 24 different brands of toothpaste. The Crest brand, and there was like uh, regular Crest, and there was uh, whitening Crest, and there was um, darkening. <laughs> there was bubblegum Crest. There was stuff with sparkles in it. I'm, I'm serious. Go, go look. Go check it out. I, I'm not going to say you're going to find 24, but you'll be, you'll be amazed that Justin... So, so you could have a, a dozen people or 10 people living in a house, all using Crest, everybody using a different, brand, a different toothpaste. And, you know, we've come down to this designer world. You know, I have to go have designer coffee, and I have to have designer uh, ice cream. You know, we have to give a whole menu. Uh, I, I hear some guys, when they're ordering ice cream or, or ordering coffee... I'm thinking, you have to have a degree to even say that, you know? And the reason I'm saying is, I remember when there was only, I remember when there was only two channels, three channels, three whole channels I was in. But um, I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you, uh, and this is not, this is not the uh, morning Sunday school, but I talk to you that, that people say this, well, you know, there's a lot of different gods. Uh, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you went door knocking, you seldom found anyone who would say they were an atheist or had a different God. This happened. We were in Pennsylvania, out in the, out in the boonies, uh, going cross country, and it came to, to a traffic light, and on that far corner was a golden statue of a God, like a Buddha. And so I thought, oh, I didn't like it, but I thought it must be like a Buddhist temple or something, and that's out in the corner of property. There was nothing else on the field. It was just a God. And somebody told me that in India, they have 300 million gods. Aren't you glad you have to give each one a dollar? And people say, well, yeah, you know, there's God. Now you say, I believe in God. And what they say, well, which one? What's your God? And so I want to tell you this morning that there aren't 300 million gods. Uh, there, aren't, uh, there aren't a million gods. There aren't 300 gods. There's not a dozen gods. There's not 10 gods. There's not five gods. There's not three gods. But there's not one god. There's only ever actually been two. Now, when I say two, I mean this. I talked to you earlier. This pulpit doesn't know it's here. And if somebody took the, the wood that this pulpit was made out of and carved a god out of it, that, that little statue wouldn't know that it was there any more than this pulpit knows that it's here. It doesn't even exist. When I say there's two gods, I mean there are two entities that claim to be God that can think, that can reason, that can influence people's lives, okay? The little wooden God can't influence anybody's life unless you pick it up and hit somebody in the head with it. But other than that, of its own volition, it can't do anything. So I'm going to talk to you uh, about the two gods. And one of the things about I like about my God 
is, is uh, well, I guess everything. I can't, I, help, I love everything. When I was a kid, <clears throat> there was a boxer. And, uh, and he would get out in front of everybody. And he'd say this, I'm the greatest of all time. And he wasn't. He was a good boxer. He really was. But he wasn't the greatest of all time. Within 10 years of him retiring from the ring, he couldn't walk from that door to that, these steps without somebody holding him by the hand like a little child. That's not the greatest of all time. My God is the greatest of all time. And I want to tell you this. My God has an ego. Did you ever talk to anybody and I think their favorite hymn is How Great I Am? They just want to go down and give you a litany of all the things they've done. And you get tired of that. But you know that our God has an ego. He can tell you all day long of the good things he's done. And it's okay. Because he's good. And he has all these things. And so he starts talking. And I like what he says here in Isaiah chapter 44 and 45 and 46. Uh, let's, let's pray and then we'll, be get, we'll get, get reading. Father, we thank you now, God, for your goodness, your grace, and your very great kindness. God, your mercies are new every day. I need them new every day. Lord, if you, if you were in a car right now and you were driving past this church and you looked in and saw me behind the pulpit and said, because he's there, I'm not going in, I would understand that. And you could do the same thing with anybody that's sitting here this morning. God, but you come and visit us and we thank you and you, you turn your head our way and you, you, you pay attention to us and we don't do near for you what you do for us. But God, all these people came this morning, they want something from your book and they want something from you. And if they don't get it this morning, it'll be Sam Gipp's fault. So please get Sam Gipp out of the way of these people. I don't want to be an obstacle if they can't hear from you or see what you're trying to tell them. And God, get, uh, get Sam Gipp out of your way that I wouldn't be an obstacle that I prevent what you're trying to say from being said. We need you here, God. They don't need me. We don't need any man. We don't need any human. We need you. This service is dedicated to you. This building, this property, it's all for you. And these people are here for you today. So I pray, God, that you will be here this morning to your own benefit, but that your people also are edified, that being edified, they live for thee. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I like what God says here. Look what he says in verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. That's kind of a boisterous statement, isn't it? I mean, you know, when somebody says, I'm the only guy here, somebody's going to challenge him. But that's okay, because he can do this. And who, as I, shall call and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, <coughs> since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, I'll let them show unto, the, unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. That's an amazing, that's an amazing statement. And that is my God. Uh, I say this. If a, if a man, imagine this, a man walks in here right now. I remember one time I was preaching here, a man walked in here back there. Yep, yeah, I remember that guy. But anyway, a, a man walks in here, and he, and he stands right here, and he looks the church over. Oh, I must, have been, I must have been misled. Somebody told me there was a church service going on in here, and I came in to see, but it's just a, it's a women's Bible study, because all I see in this room in room is women. I don't see another man here. I am the only man in this room. Oh, that guy stood right there, said that, and I'm in the room. I would leap to my feet and say, Danny Corey, get up here and show him how wrong he is about that. <laughs> but really, that's what he did. Now, now I'm, not gonna, I'm, not ask, ask, I'm not asking for any confessions. But have you ever said something to God you shouldn't have said because you were angry? I always say, go behind the barn. You go behind the barn when you say that. You say, why? Well, that's if he wants to answer back, he only burns the barn. But you go back behind the barn and, and you just say some stuff. He didn't go behind the barn. God didn't go behind the barn and go, I'm the only God. There's no other God. I had this, I had this painter many years ago I worked with. 
And, uh, and he was telling me about a painter that he worked with. And he said, this guy, all he'd ever talk about is how I'm the head of the home. I'm the head of my home. I tell my wife, she jumps. She does what I tell her. And he just goes through this all the time. And he said, he invited me over for lunch one day. He said, I wasn't even interested in lunch. I want to see this woman. He said, we walked in the house, walked in the kitchen, and the guy kicked a kitchen chair clear across the kitchen. He goes, what'd you do that for? So I just want to show you who's the head of my home. Well, what does your wife think of that? I don't know. She's not here right now. This God stood in front of 300 million gods. He stood out. Can you see the convention? Can you see the crowd? Uh, I don't know if you saw what happened in Brazil a couple days ago when their election was fixed and the phony guy got in. And I mean, it is wall to wall people. I don't know how many people are there, but there are hundreds of thousands of people. Can you see God stand up in front of all these? God walks up to all this God convention, all these statues, all these, all these pictures, all everything. And he looks around and goes, ah, somebody misled me. They told me there was a God convention. I'm the only God here. Now, I'm telling you, if I thought I was a God and somebody said that, I would protest. One of those Indian gods has six arms. Man, could you imagine that? I'm the only God in the room. Wait, 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 wait. All I think about is six arms, three burgers at once. You just can't go. You know, kind of an assembly line. But look what else he says. Look what else he says. Uh, Look at chapter 45. And in chapter 45, look at verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, uh, though thou hast not known me. He said, I don't know of another God. Look at uh, verse 19. Ah, he says, I have not spoken in secret. See, he didn't go behind the barn. He didn't go there on a windy day where you could say anything you want and nobody could hear you 10 feet away. He stood right up in front of all these phony gods. He said, I didn't do this in secret. I didn't do this in the dark of night. He said, I've not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I have not, uh, I, I, said, I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together ye that are escaped of the nations. <coughs> They have no knowledge to set up the wood of their graven image uh, and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell them, tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Could you imagine a bunch of wooden statues talking to each other? They wouldn't need the mic. <laughs> they wouldn't even have to take turns because they couldn't say anything. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Why didn't the devil protest that? Why didn't he say, well, I'm a God. Let me, <clears throat> let me help you. Uh, I, I don't know why Christians do this. But they, they picture in their mind the contest between our God and the devil like a great big arm wrestling contest. And, and today something bad happens. Oh, look. Oh, look. The devil's winning. And then tomorrow something good happens. Oh, look. Oh, look. God's winning. Guys, that is not this contest. You know, I don't know, uh, I don't know how, how many heavyweight champions of the world there are. I don't know how you can have like three heavyweight boxing champions, but somehow they managed to do that. And, um, and so you have the heavyweight champ, and you have the challenger. And they'll say to the challenger, he's going to fight him, how do you think the fight's going to go? He'll say something like this, I'll go, I'll have a three round. Because that's all the farther you can count anyway. And what would you do if you're the challenger? You said, I'm going to knock the champ out in the third round. And they said, hey, champ, he said he's going to knock you out in the third round. How do you think the fight's going to go? And the champ says this, well, see, that's my problem. I'm going to whip him. I mean, they're just... He can't win. I can't lose. I'm going to whip him. But I want to give the kid a chance to win. So what I've decided to do is for 40 days and 40 nights before the fight, I'm just not going to eat anything. And then I'll be real weak and hungry when I get in the ring because it's the only hope the kid's got. That's what your God did when he, when he had the rematch with the devil. He defeated him in Isaiah chapter 14. And when he met him in the, in the desert in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 4, 
He didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. Now I got some of my brethren, preachers, and they will go 40 days and 40 nights without eating, which I think is wonderful that they do it. <laughs> Sam's not doing it, okay? And we go like, oh, you know, if you didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights, you'd really be spiritual. You'd really be hungry. One of them told me, he said, after 30 days, you can't even get out of bed. You lay there and your body digests itself. Imagine our Lord like that when he stepped in the ring with the greatest force of evil in the universe and knocked him right out through the ropes with three punches. It is written. It is written. It is written. That is your God. Our God could take one hair out of his head and beat the devil to death with it. You know, I was a youth director back in Ohio. And uh, again, again, back in the 70s, uh, you, would, you would be very seldom to find an atheist but a Satanist. But when you found them, oh, you knew you found one. They played it up. They were like a part in a movie. They would never say this. You'd never, you see a normal person and they go, well, you worship God, I worship the devil. Oh, no, no, no. No, they, they live in one of those houses that looks like the opening scene of a horror flick that when people go in, they're never seen again. And they come to the door like this, you know, and they'll go like this, I worship. The devil. Everybody goes, oh, stay back, stay back. So I told them, I told my kids this. I said, if you ever knock on a door and run into a Satanist and they say they worship the devil, say, too bad you picked a loser. I mean, and if they say, what do you mean? So my God whipped your God once in Isaiah chapter 14. He whipped him in the rematch of, Mar of Matthew chapter 4. And tell me if this is not true. Isn't there one more contest scheduled? The venue is a valley in Megiddo. And if you say you're saved, you're betting your soul on who wins that fight. Right? So we had a Tuesday night visitation, and I had these two girls, and they were like little butterflies. They wouldn't hurt anybody, you know, giggling. They came in from visitation, and they were giddy. They were laughing. They were like, I mean, they just, it wasn't how they naturally were. I said, what happened to you two? They said, we found one. I said, you found what? A Satan worshiper. I said, really? How do they said, it was just exactly. I said, this house looks like it was haunted. And we knocked on the door. And he heard them. And he came to the door. <laughs> they said, we were scared to death. What do you want? Uh, well, we're just in the Master Temple. We're knocking on the door telling people. And, and this is exactly what he did. They said he went like this. Well, I worship the devil. Leaned right into him. I said, what did you guys do? They said, we smiled. I said, what did he do? He went, and this little girl, like 100 pounds soaking wet, she went, too bad you picked a loser. <laughs> what do you mean? My God whipped your God, whipped him twice. He's going to whip him the next time. By, by the time it was over, he was going, stay back, stay back. <laughs> That's your guy, guys. Amen. That is your God. Right. Whip the devil after 40 days of hunger, and he's going to whip him the next time. So I like my God, but there is indeed another God. He is even mentioned and called that by our God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That is the other God. The Bible calls him the God of the world. The Bible calls him the devil. The Bible calls him Satan, Beelzebub. Uh, Leviathan, Behemoth. He gets a lot of names, but he's the other God. But he's a loser. My God's going to bind him up, throw him in a hole in the ground, and he's going to pick him out of there, and he's going to whip him. I want to show you, this is, one of, this is one of the funniest things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I see humor where it may not be, but leave me alone because I'm really having a good time. We looked at Revelation briefly. We looked at Revelation chapter 20. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Go there. In Revelation chapter 20, you saw earlier that 
that God bound the devil for a thousand years. And then in verse 7, it says, When the thousand years were expired, Satan, came, uh, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now, people say, why is God binding? Because I want you to know something. The, the, the millennium is, you saw it, not the new heaven, new earth. The millennium is the, the same planet, the same people that is, are here right now with two differences. No devil. He's bound for a thousand years. You say, well, why is God, why is it going to be just like this? And he's going to bind the devil. Because for a thousand years, nobody's going to say, the devil made me do it. And man's going to have to face his wickedness. The other difference is you're not going to have a president. Jesus, Emmanuel, is going to be sitting on a throne in Israel. That's, it'll be this world. It'll be the sinful world. And you say, well, why is that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Maybe you've said it. Well, you know, if we just had a fair government or if we just had a, a righteous government, you can't get more righteous than Jesus Christ. And at the end of a thousand years, they're going to want to kill him with no devil. But watch what happens. Seven. And when a thousand years expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Now, do you ever remember those, like, I think it was Cecil B. DeMille films. They would, they would be something about the, the Holy Lander. And the opening scene would be blue sky and sand dunes. And you're looking up. I mean, you don't see anything. The high horizon, for as far as you can see, is sand. And, and blue sky. And then you hear this. Boom, 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 boom. And the entire horizon where you see the top of the sand dune is filled with an army. And they, like, like ants, they swarm over the sand dunes. That's what I see when I read this. Satan is going to gather the world together. Jesus Christ is going to be in, the, in, in Jerusalem. And they're going to surround him. Look at verse 9. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. I can see this. I can see them absolutely having Jerusalem surrounded. And I see the devil standing at the gate and he says this. All right, Jesus, Emmanuel, we got you surrounded. What are you going to do now? And look at the rest of verse 9. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. <laughs> you know what's funny? The destruction isn't even its own verse. It's half of a verse. <laughs> now, how long do you think the devil, how much effort is going to go into the devil getting this army? And don't you think there'd be like five or six verses about the battle that goes back and forth? No, they show up. He's out in front of the gate. And he goes, what are you going to do now? And he goes, Poof. and he says, oh, that. <laughs> I, th I think there's, a, I always see an empty box right next to the devil that says, like from uh, Wiley Coyote, Acme Conquer Jerusalem kit. <laughs> and they go up in flames. Now, let me ask you something. Why would you pick a loser? I mean, why does anybody pick a loser? You know, and look, I take this personal. You know, I am from Ohio. The capital, capital city of our, of our state is Columbus. Do you know why Columbus, Ohio, our, our state capital, do you know why that doesn't have a professional football team? Because if Columbus gets one, Cleveland and Cincinnati are going to want one too. You say they got one. No, they don't. <laughs> I mean, the Browns, they, they have found new ways to lose. And Nathan is still their fan. He is, I think he is the fan that is still left. He still goes for the Browns. But we say, well, I like the Browns. Why? Oh, because they lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just love to watch my team lose. And, and when it comes to a God, I want to make sure I get the loser. You're out of your mind. So there's not a, a 300 million gods. There's only ever been two. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we can do this. We could drive just through Auburn. I bet we could find all kinds of churches. We'd find old Baptist churches. We'd find Catholic churches. We'd find Episcopalian churches. And who knows, there might be a Hindu temple around there out there. We've got the Mormon churches. And uh, there's just all kinds of churches. And somebody says, yeah, we don't know which church to, to choose. Well, guys, it gets easy because there's only really ever been two. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this in verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Now, I know that we're Baptists, but this is the church of God. Anybody that gets saved. Uh, 
I say this when I'm preaching uh, to be descriptive. I will say we Gentiles. Technically, if you were a Gentile when you got saved, it says you cease to be a Gentile and you're now part of the church of God. If you were a Jew, you cease to be a Jew when you got saved and now you're part of the church of God. You leave all the Jewish worship out there. Uh, the Gentiles leave all of the pagan worship out there and we join together as the church of God. Everybody that's ever been saved is part of the church of God. I have people who don't like to admit that. Well, you're still in. And you can call it the church of God. You can call it the body of Christ. But we are all in a church. And that's the only church you really need to be in. You're not getting there because you're baptized. I got, well, I've been baptized. That didn't fireproof you. That just means when you go to hell, you'll sizzle for a few seconds. But you're not, you're not getting to heaven by being a Baptist. You're not getting to heaven by being an American. You're not being getting to heaven by being a Catholic or a Nazarene or anything else. Do you understand? You've got to be in the church of God. And you get that way, not by getting baptized, not by joining, not by signing some statement, I promise to do this. I mean, you don't have to get on your knees, but it sure is nice. But you get on your knees and you take the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the sole payment for your sins, and you get in. But there is one other church. And believe it or not, you've got to go all the way back to Numbers chapter 22 to find it. Numbers chapter 22. And in Numbers chapter 22, Balak is trying to get Balaam to curse the Jews. That didn't work too well. And he says this. Look at verse 41, the very last verse in chapter 22. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. Guys, the other church is Baal worship. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, preacher, preacher, uh, I have been all over the city. There's not, a, there's not a church in the city called Baal. Uh, guys, I've been around the world. I never found one called Baal, but I've seen them. Say, what is today what they know as Baal worship, we know as the Roman Catholic Church. You say, well, you said something against Catholic Church. They're wrong. Your preacher said it. We have free speech. We can say somebody's wrong, correct? And that's the one. All of the stuff they do in the Catholic Church, they were doing back in Numbers chapter 22 in Baal worship. Why would you want that? You know, I was a Roman Catholic before I got saved, and I, I didn't know anything. And then I, you know, I, I tell guys, I said, I was one of those, those lost guys that Christians wouldn't witness to. And they wouldn't witness to me for one of two reasons. Either they're afraid that I wouldn't get saved, or they're afraid that I would. So you know who the first person was that witnessed to me about my soul and eternity? Me. I'm sitting in a bar. All my guys are gone. All the friends are gone. There's either a party or a fight somewhere. And I'm sitting in the bar, and I said this to me. Sam, one of these days you're going to die. Where are you going to go? Doesn't that sound like witnessing? I gave, I answered me. Guys, I am the first person to witness to me. I am the first person I ever witnessed to. That kind of makes my head hurt. But I said this. Well, you got to keep Ten Commandments. I don't know them. Okay, you got to keep the golden rule. Guys, I don't know how to say this. I was a crook, but I was honest. Who knows? I could have ended up in Congress. <laughs> and I said, nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. Nobody can keep the golden rule. I'm going to hell. Guys, I had been in the Roman Catholic Church for 20 years, and the only spiritual truth I got was I'm damned. Why would you stay there? So when I got saved, you know what I did? I got out of Baal worship. And it's going to come back. It's going to get bigger. You're going to be shocked when they reveal some of this stuff. But there's not 10 million churches or 3 million churches or anything like that. There's only ever been two. I want you to go to Psalm 12. Psalm 12. Oh, this is not by any stretch uh, first time you hear these two verses. Verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. There's only ever been, now look, I, I have people say, well, there's 200 Bibles out there. There's 400 Bibles out there. How do I know which Bible's right? Guys, there's not 400 Bibles. In fact, the book I'm working on now, I quit numbering at 636. 
portions of Scripture in English. And I'm sure I'm beyond 800 now. I'm just not, I'm, I'm, I'm adding to the list, researching, uh, and then I'll, I'll number them so I can't tell you exactly, but, but I'm going to guess it's somewhere over 800 different Bibles out there. We'll see right there, but there's not 800 Bibles out there. There's not 400 Bibles. There's not 200. There's not 100. There's not 50. There's not 25. There's not 10 different Bibles. There's not five different Bibles out there. There's not three different Bibles. But there's not one. There's always ever only been two. Because you say, well, no, 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 no. I'm going to go to Syracuse. I'm going to take you to this, this Christian bookstore. Right there, look at that. 25 Bibles. No, there's not 25 Bibles. 25 names. But there's two Bibles. One of them will be from Antioch in Syria, where the pure manuscripts come from, and your King James Bible. And the, the other 24 all come from the same place. They all come from Alexandria. They're just 24 different renditions of the very same thing. So, guys, there's always ever only been two. Now, let me, let me show you something. Back in 1995, I debated uh, um, Art Farstad, who was the head of the New King James Version, uh, Kenneth Barker, who was the head of the New International Version. Uh, there was a guy there, Don Wilkins. He was, the, <laughs> he was with the, what they call it, the New American Standard Version 95. They call it the Reader's Edition. Now, the New, the New American Standard came out in 1964, and it was 30 years later they brought one out that you could read. Think about that great truth. <laughs> He said, we're working on the reader's edition because nobody can read the New American Standard. I think God did. Good doorstop. That's all God says. Now, I want you to look at verse 7. Verse 6 is inspiration. Verse 7 is preservation. You see where it says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. All right. I, you know, I told you, we teach a year Hebrew, three years of Greek. We don't ever say Go find out a different way that word could have been translated and expound on that, and that'll make you look smart. It's, we call it a second witness. You know what a second witness is? I'll show you. How many of you believe? I'm going to raise my hand. I'm not going to fool you. I'm not catching you. How many of you believe that the story of Noah and the ark of Genesis chapter 7, 40 days of rain, everybody dying but eight people, everything as you read, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, how many of you believe that story is true? Okay. Now, has anybody heard that they think they found the ark on Mount Ararat? I've read several books about it. I think that's probably it. If they go up there and find out that was the ark, are you going to say, oh, now I believe in the flood? No. You believe it without, without the second witness, right? I don't care if they go up and find out it's an old closed McDonald's. I already believed it before they found out. I don't need the ark to believe in the ark. Right? I don't have any part of the cross. The Catholic Church has so many pieces of the cross, they could probably build a three-bedroom house with it. But I don't need to see the cross to believe in it. And so this says, uh, let me tell you what, what the Hebrew is in verse 7. Thou, are, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. You know what them is? That is third-person plural. Them or they. Correct? What's first-person plural? Us or we. What are your pronouns? Anyway, I'll challenge you. Get a new, get a new international version and look at verse 7. And it says, you will keep us, O Lord. You will pr protect us from such people. There isn't one, and I do the manuscripts, there isn't one manuscript that has Psalm 12, verse 7 in it that is first person plural. Every manuscript on this planet is third person. Every one of them says they or them. There is no Hebrew authority for us or we. And I nailed Ken Barker down on that on national television. I said, you guys changed the Hebrew. You have no Hebrew evidence for what you did. You made it us or them, or us or we. And, and the guy was kind of wimpy. I'll just be honest with you. He's kind of wimpy. But he actually, he got a little fire in him. And he said this. He said, I believe verse 7 is talking about the poor people of verse 5. He's going to preserve them, not the, not the words of God. I'd never translate it that way. Oh, you mean the way God wrote it. <laughs> okay, but that does give us a problem, doesn't it? What's verse 7 talking about? He's talking about the words of God. He's talking about the poor people. Might be the poor people. We sure got enough of them. 
Guys, when you have a question like that, you know what you do? Read the context. There's more than two verses in this chapter, in this psalm. Watch with, and here's what, you know what's going on, in, you know what Psalm 12 is about? Let me ask you this. Are there people on this planet who are shaking their fist and saying, we are going to destroy the nation of Israel? We're going to push them to, into the sea. We're going, to, we're going to slit their throats. You understand people have been saying that all their life. What if somebody came in here and said, I'm going to kill every member of Freedom Baptist Church. I'm going to come by their houses some night and kill them. And God said, don't worry, I'll take care of you. You know what you got? You got the words of the wicked versus the words of God. Which one are you going to trust? Look at verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Now watch verse 2. They, they, talk about the wicked, they speak. That's a reference to, to words. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. In one verse, you had three references to what the, law, what, what the wicked people say. They say they're going to destroy us. They say they're going to kill us. They speak. Look at, verse, look at verse 3. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Guys, we've now gone in two verses. We've had six references to the words of the wicked who said they're going to destroy Israel. Look at the next verse. Who have said with our tongue will we prevail our lips, our own, who is Lord over us. In three verses, you had nine references to the words of the wicked. And here's what God says. They speak with their tongues, with their lips. They say they're going to destroy you. But my words are, I'm going to take care of you. And the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them the words. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And so, guys, <clears throat> there's, not <clears throat> there's not 500 Bibles. There's not 20 Bibles. There's not three Bibles. But there's not one. There's only ever always been two. There's only two places you can go when you die. You're going to heaven. You're going to hell. What about purgatory? Doesn't exist. Except the imagination of a Roman Catholic, it does not exist. There's no purgatory. Now, I got to say this. I'm going to, I hope this will help you. You know what's good about all these people here? You're Yankees. We won. You say, why are you saying it? Well, you know, we never think about the Civil War. They never forget about it down south. You may not know this, but I am a Civil War veteran. I fought it for three years when I was in Bible, Bible school down in Pensacola. And, and you know what Yankees are? Yankees are analytical. You know, some of my books, well, I mean, I screw down onto a subject and I, I ferret out every bit of information that I can get. And I can show you everything that's wrong with purgatory. That's how, that's how Yankee thinks a northerner. It's, it's, there's no purgatory for this reason and 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 this reason. What do you think of that? But the South. I don't dislike Southerners. I just think they ought to quit fighting that war. We may have a a whole new war here in about a week that they can fight. I had a guy when I was in Bible college, older man, you know, and he was a Southerner. And he was witnessing to a guy at work, a young Catholic kid. And he was talking about when he dies, he's going to go to heaven. And this Catholic kid says this, because Southerners, they're not analytical. They just got a wisdom that you just need them around. You need them. And this Catholic kid says, well, I'm Catholic. Uh, we don't go to heaven or hell. When we die, we go to purgatory. And this guy says, what's that? And so he explained it. Well, you go there and you burn and you pay for your sins. How do you get out? Well, somebody that is alive and, and, and praying for you, they pray you out. Southerner. Oh, I sure hate to be the last one in. <laughs> and this guy looked and went, Yeah. I think he went home and shot himself. He would get in there early, you know. That's what a southerner will do for you. He'll just, he'll just, just don't make any sense to me. Guys, there's no purgatory. What about the limbo? That's a dance. <laughs> well, I think when you die, you're just dead like a bag of, of, of dirt or, or a sack of flour. Who cares what you think? I mean, really, who cares what you think? You know, we have, we have almost deified our opinions. And you cannot believe in hell 
all the way there. But five seconds after you die, I, they gave me this guy to witness to. He was a physicist. They, they, they figured I could talk to him, and so I'm witnessing to him. And, um, and he, he, you know, he goes, okay, doc, what do you believe? And so I'm telling I gave him, I mean, I gave him Genesis to Revelation. He had the mark on his forehead by the time I was done with him, okay? I, what I did is I asked him what he believed first. And the reason, because I want to, okay, you say what you believe, then I'll tell you what I believe. So he started. Now, guys, why would you be intimidated with science when they start out with a cloud of dust? That is where the Lone Ranger ended. Why would you say, the guy did. He said, well, there was a cloud of dust and it blew up, but actually kind of blew in because when the smoke cleared, there was the universe. That is way more faith than I got. If evolution is true, you see this pulpit? We take this out in the middle of a field over here, put a quarter stick of dynamite in it, blow it up, and when the smoke clears, you got a three-bedroom house. Now, none of you believe that's going to happen, but that's what this guy thought. And while he's talking, I'll be very honest with you, I am doing the best I can to snicker and chuckle. Oh, you say, oh, you didn't do that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Well, don't you think you offended him? No, you know, when you're that dumb, you're too, you're too dumb to be offended. I just didn't want him to think for a second that I thought a word he said was true. And then he knew what I wanted, so he goes, okay, doc, tell me what you believe. And then he said this. He's one of those, that tolerant crowd. You know that you need to be tolerant? And they're never tolerant with us. So before I said anything, he said this. Tell me what you believe, but don't tell me that you really believe that, and this is how he said, that God just spoke the universe into existence in seven 24-hour days. And guys, I'm very sorry. I hope you'll accept my apology. I knew if I said yes, he'd think I was the dumbest guy on the planet. So I said no. Six. <laughs> if God made anything on the seventh day, it was iced tea. You know why? Now, ladies, is this not true? You finally get your husband to fix something, and what does he do when he's done? He stares at it for an hour. I did that. I fixed that. He tells all of his friends. I, hey, come here, let me show you what I did. I mean, a man does that. We, we, we finally get around. You put the molding up, and he sits there and looks at it for about an hour. Look at that. I did that. I just think God made this whole place. And on the seventh day, he got some iced tea and went, man, I'm good. Because <laughs> he is. So there's only two places. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to hell. And your church can't do that. Listen, guys, I was down south. Again, I'm sorry. Lady was just nice, nice, nice young lady. We're telling her about our ministry. And she is just thrilled. She is thrilled by what we do. And she was so obviously a Christian that I said, when did you get saved? And she said, my daddy was a deacon. Did, did you ever think maybe your mouth isn't saying what your brain's telling to say? Because I thought I asked, when did you get saved? But apparently I said, what did your dad do? So, I, so I, uh, I, said, okay. I said, when did you get saved? She said, I was raised in church. My mouth wasn't working right. Apparently I asked her, where were you raised? That lady lost the goose. She's going to go to hell. Unless she takes the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as her own payment for her sin. You know why? Because there's only ever only been two gods. There's only ever been two churches. There's only ever been two Bibles. There's only ever been two eternal destinies. But there's only one way to get to heaven. There's not even two. There's a place in hell for Methodists. There's a place in hell for Baptists. There's a place in hell for Catholics. There's a place in hell for atheists. There's a place in hell for, soul, uh, for Satan worshipers. You either take the death and the burial. And guys, not just, it is, the gospel is not Christ died for your sins. He was buried according to scripture and rose again according to scripture. Never, never tell about the death of Jesus Christ without telling about the resurrection. You know why? Why do you want a God that's a pile of dust? Why do you want a religion that couldn't help the founder? Listen, if, the, if a religion can't get the founder out of a hole in the ground, why would you want it? And I'm telling you today that Mohammed, is a pile of dust. Mary Baker, Patterson, Eddie Glover, Clinton, I don't know, is a pile of dust. Judge Rutherford, who started Jehovah's Witnesses, is a pile of dust. 
Buddha is a rather large pile of dust. They murdered our founder. They stuck him in a cave and rolled a stone there, and they were so scared they didn't think that could take care of it, so they put an armed guard around it. And three days later, he stepped out of there more alive than you and I are right now. Isn't that true? If he can take him, if, if, if Christianity get him out of the grave, we're small stuff. And so there's only one way. You're not going to get there by being a Baptist. You're not going to get there by being an American. I asked a guy one time, knocked on his door. I said, what, what do you think a person has to do to get to heaven? He goes, uh, he said, no, I said, what, what do you think if you died right now? Do you know for a fact you go to heaven? He goes, yes, sir. I said, well, I said, I'm an American. Your passport's not going to get you in. You know what's going to get you in? The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The argument is settled right there. So there's only one way to get there. If you trusted Christ, aren't you glad? Isn't it nice to be saved? That's just a good word. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. Not because I, I deserve hell right now. If God opened this earth up and dropped me into hell, I would get what I deserve, but I'm not going there and he'd never do that because he'd take me up. Let me tell you this and I'll be done. They did a study on the weight of a soul. You, our, our people, uh, Japheth, he studies everything. They study everything. They study bird migration, feather patterns, I mean, every, everything. So they studied people who were dying. They had them on an atomic scale. And people who died lost 21 grams of weight every time. But nothing happened. It wasn't their, wasn't their last breath. And that was 21, they lost 21 grams of weight. You know what that means? The soul has weight. You know what that means? That means the only thing, now look, look. If I have a, a balloon and I, I leave it up here, maybe it's got a little bit of helium in it, but not enough to keep it. It's going to go, it's slowly, naturally going to go to the floor. Correct? Do you know what's keeping you out of hell right now? Not Jesus Christ. Your body. You're inside your body, and your body won't go through that floor. When you die, the soul leaves the body. Naturally, gravity will take you to the center of the earth. You go to hell. You know what you need to keep from going to hell naturally? God didn't put you in hell. You're just going to go. You need something that is stronger than nature, kind of like supernatural. So when our, our soul steps out of our body, the Lord takes care of it and takes us to heaven. He didn't even, didn't even need any help for us to go to hell. Guys, you trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, or you go to hell. I'm not trying to get you guys saved because I, I, I figure you all are. But there might be somebody here who's not. Well, this is the place and now is the time. Let me ask you a question. If you, if you want to go to a building to buy a meal, what kind of, what kind, what do they call that? What do they call it? A restaurant. Uh, if you injure yourself, where do you go? Go to the hospital. If the starter goes bad on your car, where do you go to get what you need to fix it? You go to the place where they sell car parts. All those places are made for a purpose. This right here is the only place it was made where you can come forward and get saved. Now, I'm not saying you can't get saved in a car parts place. I'm not saying you can't get saved in a hospital. A lot of people have. I'm not saying you can't get saved outside of a church. But this is the only place. If you're here and you're not saved, you're in the right place. You need eternal life? That's, that's what we do here. We do eternal life here. We do hope for eternity here. We do learn your Bible here. Isn't that true? And so you say, well, preacher, I'm already saved. Well, Aren't you glad you got the right God? Aren't you glad you're in the right church? Aren't you glad you got the right Bible? Man, I'm telling you something, guys. I think, I think I'm right. But as far as I know, this church has never had a pastor who didn't believe that book. There's a little story. Old lady. Well, she used to be old. Now she's more like me. But anyway, she's an old lady. She's sitting there in the pew before service and she's got her Bible open and she's just befuddled. She's just 
And, she, and the pastor says, Billy, what's the matter? She said, well, pastor, I'm trying to read my Bible, and it doesn't make any sense. And he said, well, let me see. And he, and he, and he takes a page, and there's holes in it. And he takes another page, and there's holes in it. And every page got a bunch of holes in it. He said, well, Millie, no wonder you can't read your Bible. Your Bible's got holes in it. She said, well, I understand, Pastor. I only took out the parts you told me to. Aren't you glad you've always had a pastor that didn't think, think he was smarter than God? At my school, I grade my students' tests. You know why? Not because I'm smarter than them. I get a couple. I'm sure they're smarter than me. I grade it because I know more than them. About the subject I'm teaching, I know more than them. That's why I grade their tests. So, so if somebody finds a mistake in that book, who do they think they know more than? Aren't you glad you got the right God, the right church, the right book, and the right eternal destiny? I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Think about where you'd be right now without Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm not saying you'd all be dead or in prison. Uh, some of you'd be just as, you'd be doing just fine. But you'd be destined for hell. Never, ever forget how good God's been to you and saving you. Thank him every day. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the new life. Thank you for the future that you promised me. We've all been blessed by this God, guys, all of us. The lost world has been blessed by him. They just won't acknowledge it. So I'm going to have a word of prayer, then the organ will play. And if you want to come and talk to this God that saved you, just say thanks, that's your business. If there's some issue that you have with this God, this is the God to turn to. He can speak a universe into existence, but he said he delights in mercy. He delights in it. This is this is the only God that counts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you saved me. Thank you, God, you've given me good health. Thank you, Father, that you have provided. Oh, God, i got more food than I can eat, more clothes than I can wear, and everything beyond that is a luxury anyway. And these people are like that too. And if these people have anything the world doesn't have, these people have hope. And you gave them that too. You gave them peace. You cleaned them. You made them clean. You took their sins, cast them into the deepest part of the sea. Maybe somebody needs to talk to you about something this morning. Maybe, God, there's somebody here that needs to be saved. If there's somebody that needs to be saved, let them come up and grab the pastor. It's not a, it's not a shame to come to church lost, God. It's a shame to leave that way. But for the saved folks, help us never forget. These folks, they may have made some bad decisions in their life. They sure made the right one when they got saved, when they picked you for their God. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. With your heads bowed and your